the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Okay, come with me to the book of First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 5. Let's read it together. Who then is Paul and who is but ministers through whom you, may you be a minister through whom somebody will believe. Amen. Who then is Paul, who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believe. Now he says, as the Lord gave to each one, verse 6, let's go, I planted I polos water, but God gave the increase. May you see increase. Everything you are planting, may it see increase. Everything you are watching, may you see increase. May this month be for you a season of increase. Increase in every area of your life. Financial increase, spiritual increase. Increase in every positive area of your life. He says, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planted anything, neither he that watered, but God that giveth what? God that giveth what? God that giveth what? Now he that planted and he that watered are what? They are what? And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own, according to his own what is God going to reward you according to your own labor? Now look at verse number 9. Because God is going to reward everyone according to his own labor, he explains to us or he goes a step further to let us know who we are together with God. And he says, for we are God's fellow. We are God's fellow. Let's do the King James Version. For we are laborers together because I like that. For we are laborers together with God. Somebody say, we are laborers together with God. Or oh, say it aloud, we are laborers together with God. We are laborers together with God. Verse 10 says, according to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and another builder thereon. But let every man take heed how he builded thereon. In other words, let every man take heed how he's laboring into his own portion. Praise the Lord. I'm just doing a brief presentation on what I've captioned uncommon laborers with God. Somebody say uncommon laborers with God. Say uncommon laborers with God. Now, you need to understand that God can do without you. God can do without you. He can. He can. He can. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness of the world and they that dwell therein. He founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who can? There is nothing God did that he needed anybody's help to do. 
So he can do without us. And that becomes a humbling thought when you get the opportunity and the privilege of having to do anything together with God because he can do without you. There are some people, when you are doing something or they are doing something for you, you need them. No matter how slow or sluggish they are, you still have to find a way to work along with them because you don't know how to do it. Particularly when they are very good at a job. You've gotten a very nice seamstress and she's always slow, but she's the best around you. You better be patient and let her give you a nice design. Am I communicating? But God's dealing with us is different. God can do without us. God can do without us. And because he can do without us, we have to count ourselves privileged when he chooses to work with us. Somebody say he chooses to work with us. You see, he can do without us, but he has chosen not to do that. He can do without us, but he has chosen not to do without us. When he was creating everything, he created everything and finished. When he finished, he wanted man's participation. So he created man and said, continue everything. So he rested and he went on resting. A man had to carry on. And it has been like that since. That's why the innovations that are coming up, the technology we are seeing, they are all creations of God, but God is creating through men. Praise the Lord. God is creating through men. So God created from the beginning. Gave man dominion and authority. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth. Fill the earth. That's how God designed it to be. That's how he did it. When Jesus came, God could have done without him. But he chose to work with Christ. So the Bible says, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. He went about doing good and healing all them that were oppressed of a devil. For God was with him. God worked with Christ. Christ was never alone. He said, the father that sent me is the one who is doing the work. So, I'm just a foreman. I'm just fronting for him. But he's the one who is actually doing the work. Look at Mark chapter 16 verse 20. So, God in the beginning created and then he handed over to Adam and said, Adam, continue. And then when Jesus came, the same principle continued. When Jesus left and handed over to the apostles, the same principle continued. Mark chapter 16 verse 20. The Bible says, and they went everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. They went everywhere. They went everywhere. You saw it. They went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. He was laboring together with them. Paul came in and captured it very well. He said, for we are laborers together with God. Now come with me to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. You have to understand, the first thought I want you to carry with you tonight is the fact that the work of God demands laborers. Somebody say, the work of God demands laborers. Say, the work of God demands laborers. Yeah, God demands laborers. Matthew 5. And Jesus went about all cities and villages teaching their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Somebody say the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Okay, because the work is huge. He needs a lot of laborers. 
Then he says, pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send for laborers into his harvest. So the kind of people God looks out to recruit are laborers. Somebody say laborers. Say laborers. Yeah, laborers. Those are the people. God does not call people who are not ready to work as laborers. He's looking for people who are ready to lay down their prestige, their pride, or whatever they have in order to pick up tools and work. He's looking for laborers. Somebody say laborers. And there are several avenues. Number two, there are several avenues of labor for Christ. There are several avenues of labor for Christ. Several avenues. He said there are those who are planting, there are those who are watering. Did you see that? Apostle Paul said there are those who are laying the foundation and there are those who are building upon it and let every man take it so there is something for everybody to do. Everybody can do something. Everybody can be doing something. Everybody. He said, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. So everybody has an opportunity to play a role. Number three is that there is guarantee reward for every diligent and faithful laborer in the Lord. For every fruitful, every diligent, every faithful laborer in the Lord, you can be sure that your payday awaits you. And even now, God is going to pay you. Can somebody say a better amen? Even now, God is going to reward you. Amen. Shout a believing amen. amen. Maybe you are not laboring, so you are not believing for a reward. Amen. It says that in Proverbs 14, 23, in all labor, there is profit. Somebody say in all labor. There is profit. In all labor, anywhere people labor, there is profit. Anywhere people labor, there is profit. And Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10, he said, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and you are still ministering. Do you see that? You have ministered to the saints and you are ministering. So what is the labor we are called to do is the labor of ministering and ministering, continuously ministering tirelessly. Are you following what I'm teaching? He said, he will not forget your work and your labor of love, which you have showed toward his name. So the things we do in the name of God, the things we do in the name of Christ for believers, and the things we do even in the name of Christ, sometimes for those who are not saved, are captured in here. Are you following what I'm teaching tonight? He said, you have ministered to the saints and you do minister. But the key thing I want you to notice is that God, he is not unjust to forget your work and your labor. So when you genuinely work, God remembers it. When you genuinely labor, God remembers it. And when there is no labor to your account, that one too he knows. Okay, look at 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Let's read together one go. Therefore, my beloved. Read it together one go. Be what? Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Your labor is guaranteed reward. May you receive rewards. May you receive earthly rewards. And may you receive eternal rewards. Your labor in the Lord is never in vain. It's never in vain. If you don't see it in your lifetime, your children will see it. Am I communicating here? You can't labor for the Lord and it will be in vain. The last time we said, the Lord remembered the household of what? Onesiphorus. His household. His household. 
The Bible said, a generation shall serve you and it shall be counted. It said, your people shall serve you and shall be counted for a generation. So, when we labor faithfully for the Lord, God remembers our work and God rewards our work. In the book of Revelation 22 verse 12, he said, Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. According as his work shall be. According as his work shall be. And then, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 6, he said, the husband man, the King James says, the husband man that liberate. We are talking about co-laborers with God. Somebody say co-laborers with God. Say, I'm a co-laborer with God. Say, I'm a co-laborer with God. Okay. The husband man that liberate must be first partaker of the fruits. So before, in any area of labor for the Lord, the first and the chief beneficiary is the one doing it. Praise the Lord. Yeah. God is not like fireman who use water, hose to water things, and the hose remains dry. No. Whatever God is using, that container is the first person to enjoy the blessing. Praise the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he sits on the donkey, the donkey will be the first person to ride on a carpeted floor. Praise the Lord. He was riding the donkey. The donkey was riding on a carpet. The only donkey in history that walked on a carpet that human beings have laid. Why? Because God was using it. May God use your life. Amen. I said, may the Lord use your life. Amen. So there are several avenues of labor. But tonight, I just want to introduce to you one gentleman who I pray that his kind will be multiplied in our church family. Amen. Can you say an amen? amen? Can you say an amen? amen? If I said that may Elon Musk be multiplied here, there will be better amens. Praise the Lord. But I'm saying there's a gentleman whose kind must be multiplied in this church. Shout a better amen. And those of you whose children are about to be born, may you give their name to them. (laughs) Yeah, this is a very powerful guy. Colossians 4.12. Colossians 4.12. Let's go. One go. Epiphras, who is oh let's read together Epiphras, who is a born servant of Christ greets you always uh-huh okay so scripture here keep it there first of all we are introduced to who Epiphras is who is Epiphras who is Epiphras that means that anybody at all can be an epiphras. Do you see that? Any at all can be epiphras. Anybody at all. Who is one of us? Then he says he's a born servant of Christ. Because see, whatever will move you to labor for the Lord is a consciousness that you are a servant. When you are a superior or you have a boss mentality, you don't see the need to get to the ground and work. But when you see yourself as a born servant... A bond servant has no right. A bond servant doesn't say, I'm tired. A bond servant doesn't say, I'm busy. A bond servant is available. Am I communicating here? You know, I've explained who a bond servant is some time back. A bond servant is a servant who has service due time. Maybe you came into bondage because your father borrowed money you couldn't pay, and then they gave you up to be used for the death period and you serve maybe 10 years 15 years when the period is over that is the period of your service is over and then your boss says go 
You are free. You are a freed servant. You are not a born servant. At that time, you are free because you are fully saved. You're born and you are supposed to go. So you are free to go. But when you look at the condition in your father's house, your father is still poor. When you go and you stay there again, he may send you somewhere. He may borrow another money and move you again. And you are not sure where he may move you to. But at least you know where you are coming from. You see, your master has been good to you. Maybe in your master's house, he has given you opportunity, has given you room. You know that watchman, where they live is better than where some people live in their own house. Am I communicating here? Yeah, that's what security people. If you see their listen, they have self-contained toilets inside. But you share it with seven people. <laughs> Am I communicating here? I would rather be a security man and use my own alone. Am I communicating here? <laughs> I mean, this era people don't share toilet too. <laughs> Even KVIP is going away. <laughs> Amen. But that's how it is. So you look at the conditions in your master's house and you say, Master, you know what? The way you treat me here, the way you've received me here, I don't want to go again. I want to stay with you forever. The moment you make that commitment, this time you are not being forced to labor. You are choosing to labor. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the difference between a bond servant. So when they say, I'm a bond servant, they are not being forced to do something for the Lord. A bond servant is the one who has chosen. Paul said, I'm a prisoner and a bond servant. That's a word Paul uses a lot. That's why he did so much for the Lord. You see, the blessing of the New Testament life is that the New Testament, you are not under compulsion. But when you look at what Christ has done for you, you are obligated by choice to serve him with everything you have. That is the difference between those who serve God legalistically and those who serve God by love. Now, you see, look at this man who has tasted of his master's goodness and he's releasing him to go and he has chosen not to go. Do you think the person will be lazy in the house? That's a bond servant. He's a bond servant. And in those days, in order to distinguish a bond servant from a free servant, they will make a hole in your ears to show that you're a bond servant. That was one of the things that set them apart. If you read the book of Leviticus, you see there. This man was a bond servant. And his work as a bond servant, what was it? Always laboring fervently. Servants labor. May you receive the grace to labor. Now, the people, they don't labor. They are just lazy. Always laboring. This is a very powerful test. He's one of us, a bond servant of Christ. And all of us are bond servants because a price has been paid for us. When we say you are redeemed, you are redeemed means you have been bought back. The Bible says you are not redeemed with corruptible things that are silver or gold, but with his own precious blood. That's how much you were bought. He says in the book of 1 Corinthians 4, you are bought with the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God. So there's nothing you have. You are a born servant. Am I communicating here? And as a born servant, he says, I labor always, always laboring, always laboring, always laboring. Last Sunday, I was telling the workers that, you see, the rest time for the believer is death. Somebody say, my rest time time. is death. Yeah. When they say rest in peace, it really means for the believer, it means really rest in peace. But it's unfortunate that there are people who, when it's time to rest, there is not. You know that some people, when they go on pension, they become very poor. Because they made poor choices when they were receiving money. And there are people also, 
when they go in death, they become very poor. Jesus gave us a parable of the man who was very rich, ate sumptuously every day, but when he died, became so poor that he could not afford sachet water. He couldn't afford it. He couldn't afford it. Jesus said, dip your hand in water and put it on my test. And there are many believers who will die and end up like that. And I pray you will not be one of such people. You see, this life is a seed into eternity. You have to understand that. This life is given to you to plant it as a seed into eternity. And the harvest you have in eternity is a function of how you sow this life as a seed unto the Lord. The Bible said, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if he dies, it brings forth much fruit. This is what the man was doing. Always laboring. I was telling you that various aspects of labor. One area of labor, which anybody at all can do, is the labor of prayer. Somebody said labor of prayer. Labor of prayer. He was laboring in prayer. Always laboring in prayer. How did this man pray? He prayed consistently. He prayed what? Consistently. Always laboring in prayer. Consistently. Consistently. There was no day that this man will not rise up and pray. There was no downtime in his prayer life. Every time was a prayer time for him. Every moment. Daily. Praying. Praying. Alone with others. Praying. That was, you know, this. there was a woman in the Bible who also served God like that. But one way we serve God is through prayer. One way we serve God is what? Through prayer. When you pray, you are serving God. You are advancing his courses. When you say, I'm a servant of Christ, what shows that you are a servant of Christ? It's not your color. It's not your three-piece suit, your ten-piece suit. It's what you do for the Lord. Are you following what I'm teaching tonight? He prayed consistently. The Bible says he prayed fervently. Always praying fervently in prayer. Always praying fervently, passionately, not slothfully. Praise the Lord. Yeah. You see, if you are a believer, there are many kinds of prayer. You must learn to pray. You must learn to pray quietly. You must learn to pray with energy. All of those prayers, Jesus prayed it. So if you are this type that, you know, <laughs> some pretentious and lackadaisical believers, sometimes they just... <laughs> because if a lion descended on you now, this is your gentility will go away. This is your lady will go away. When what is at stake means a lot to you, you put away your pride and your gentility and you pray with passion. Am I communicating here? There is no woman who goes to the labor ward and when it's pushing time, you are a gynecologist. Are you not? Don't you hear noises there? From professors and doctors and judges, don't they all shout? I'm telling you something. You see, it may look funny, but you see, when we are praying and we mean business and we are really passionate about the prayer. You can't be gentle and be standing there, slothful. We can't even hear your voice. And you say you are praying. You are joking. You are joking. Am I communicating here? You are joking. There are some of you here. When we come into prayer meeting with you alone, we will not be motivated to pray. Because you are too gentle. There are some people, even when they are leading prayer, you see that the prayer fire is not much. Yeah. Because there's a way you pray alone. There's a way you lead others in prayer. Am I communicating here? Yeah. When you are passionate about something, it shows in your every move. And when the passion is not there, it's also obvious. It's obvious. It's obvious. He prayed fervently. The Bible said the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man 
Jesus prayed with strong cries. Oh, with strong cries, he wept and was shouting. I hear saying that, oh, you know, God doesn't. I don't need to shout for God to hear. When you meet Jesus, ask him why he was shouting. And those who are backsliding, they say, oh, this way is just for young, young men. Young, young men. That's why you are growing old, though you are 20-something. 30-something. You look like 40 man. Am I complicating it? He prayed fervently. That was the kind of prayer the man was praying. Fervently. 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 And then he prayed selflessly. Look at that. He prayed selflessly. The Bible says, he prayed fervently that you may stand, not he may stand. That's selfless. Not he may stand. You see there, God said. He said he prayed that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. It was not for him. Hardly ever do you see people praying in the New Testament for themselves. There's a lot of emphasis on prayer in the New Testament. And what is going on in our charismatic churches today, that's not the New Testament type at all. In the New Testament, the kind of things they prayed for, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, which when we are praying, your voice is not even heard. Because you don't know his value. I'm telling you, you don't know. You don't know. But if there is one greatest asset you have in the New Testament, it's revelation. You see, when there is light, you don't ask where your property is. When there is light, I just go and pick my phone. Am I complicating here? I don't struggle. I don't bind. I don't bind anything. I don't need to bind. And no, no, no. When there is light, people walk in gently. They just speak and they are riding in victory. The Bible says, ride prosperously because of truth. Revelation. Revelation. Because a lot has been made available in the New Testament, all we have been given is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You see, when you don't have resources, you don't need wisdom. But when you have resources, you need wisdom to manage it. Am I communicating here? When you have resources, that's why the Bible says wisdom and revelation. Know where your inheritance is. Have the wisdom to manage it. Those are the two things. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. That you may be fruitful. He says he's laboring fervently. That you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Perfect. That's all his prayer. Lord, let every new person who has joined this church, let every new person who is in this place stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. And don't forget, the husband man that liberate must be first partaker of his fruit. So while you are busy praying that God will cause others to stand perfect and complete, God will make sure that you are incomplete, have you? <laughs> He's not unrighteous. He's not unrighteous. Listen. You see, there is a life you live. If you choose that life, it's a choice. And when you choose that life, and you are genuine with your choice, many other things no longer become prayer points. I can't say that enough. Because others, no matter how hard I say it, how soft I say it, you need a spirit of wisdom and revelation to catch it. Simple things are not simple for simple-minded people. Praise the Lord. They're not. They're not. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. If you're a very serious student of the Bible, just look at every part. The Bible talks about prayer in the New Testament. And look at what they pray for. Most of the time, it wasn't material. Almost 80 to 90% of it was immaterial. Didn't they have material concerns? Who told you they didn't have material concerns? 
When people were owing lands and houses, they were not poor. I was told you Sunday, they were not poor. The early church were not poor. They impoverished themselves to make people well. That's what they did. The Bible says, as many as had lands, as many, not few. So not one or two people had lands, as many as had lands and properties. Sold them and brought it because there had been a change in their heart. That their heart was no longer after things material, but they were looking for the eternal. Am I communicating here? You see, let me tell you, there's a certain realm you come in God. When things don't mean anything to you, and when things don't mean anything to you, God can give you things. Am I communicating here? God can give you things. When God gives you visa to here, visa to there, and he knows that it will not move you outside his will, he will give it to you. Am I communicating here? But you are looking for a place where you go and there won't be no church. And you can work 24-7 and chase money. You see, your mind is already there. You are already imagining if I ever get the visa and I go there, the kind of house I will build for myself, the kind of car I will be riding, God knows that thought before you even think it. I'm not communicating here. But there are people also, they are looking for opportunity and they are desiring their prayer. Lord, if I ever come into this level of wealth, I'll build churches for you. If I ever come into this level of wealth, I'll make sure that resources to run your house are never lacking. God knows the two. Praise the Lord. God knows the two. God knows the two. God knows the two. I pray that this house will be a house of laborers. A house of faithful laborers. A house of diligent laborers. I pray that this house will be a house where we will not look for things, but things will look for us. A house where we will not pray for things, but things will come to us. In the mighty name of Jesus. Put your hand on your heart and ask Lord to give you a heart like his. A heart like his. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you join us again and again. We are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no.